Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into Miami Week and welcome into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe and do you believe that we've already hit Miami Week? I'm so excited for this ATP Masters 1000 event to happen right here in the United States down in Florida in Miami. But before we get to Miami, we have a lot to cover, including Dubai, including Acapulco, including everything leading up to Miami. And then finally, we'll get to Miami. And I promise we'll get to it towards the end of this episode. And we'll also get to uh, one of the players on the ATP tour had another knee surgery. Um, Somebody that you probably like. He's a hard guy to not to like. And he's got a power of a forehand, but we'll get to that at the end of this episode. Let's talk about Dubai. Now, Dubai was interesting for a lot of ways. One, Roger Federer was supposed to play in Dubai, and it turns out he was practicing in Dubai at the time that this tournament was going on, but he wasn't playing in it. So maybe he just wants to get the rotation going, or maybe that's where the best practice players were going to be was in Dubai. But nevertheless, there were a lot of good matches in Dubai as well as um, a shocking upset towards the end that leaded, that led to a victory for a unseated and unexpected winner of Dubai. Now, I thought Rublev was going to win Dubai. I really thought he would, and his way to get there was dominant. We talked about Taylor Fritz in the last couple episodes playing really good tennis leading up to this tournament and really, you know, throughout the end of the pandemic into, you know, 2021. And Taylor Fritz lost to Rublev in the round of 16. He lost 6-3-6-1. And then you look at guys like Yannick Sinner in that same round of 16. He ended up beating Rabuto Batista Agut, who Batista Agut just had a really, really good tournament out in Doha. So then that brings us to the qualifying rounds. And there's another one in there, a qualifier, Lloyd Harris, who I'll talk about a little bit more moving forward into this you know, the end of this Dubai tournament, but Lloyd Harris is 52 singles rank. He's 24 years old from South Africa. He ends up having a really good tournament and really ends up playing well through all this. He actually beats Dominic Team 6-3-6-4 right out of the gate. So that's something that, you know, is good for the sport, but Dominic Team, I'm not sure he hasn't been playing that great as of I guess since September, since he won the or the U.S. Open, so you know Lloyd Harris, a qualifier, beating him six three and six four. I'm not saying that's concerning for the team camp, but I'm that's not great. That's definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. I think, and that's something I'll keep an eye on right here. Uh, Hercotch, he ended up losing to Denis Shapovalov, Shapo, the three seed, going into the round of eight, which would be the quarterfinals, and so I think this tournament was kind of all over the place. And I think that's what you're going to get when you don't have any real dominant, dominant players in it. Now, you have a lot of good players in it. Don't get me wrong. There's a ton of good players on the tour. You look at who's playing in this. Uh, Bautista Gut. You look at Sinner, Rublev, Shapo. Um, you know, Kaini Shikori came in unseated. Then you look at guys like Team. I mean, there's good players in this tournament in Dubai. But that kind of leaves it open for some of these other people like Lloyd Harris, like Karatsev, like... Uh, you know, center to really make a run or make a name for themselves at a tournament like this that is an ATB 500. So 
Lloyd Harris ends up playing Kainy Shikori in the quarters. He beats him. Karatsev beats Sinner in a three-setter. That was close. And then Rublev actually beats Fushovic. Um, Fushovic had a really good Australian Open. Now, funny part about this, if you go to the internet and see the video, Fuchovic on his way off the court goes, I hope I never have to play you again this year. And I feel like that's how a lot of people or a lot of players are feeling this year, and especially last year. The way that Andre Rublev's been playing, he's just dangerous. He's really dangerous on the court. And I'm going to talk about him a little bit more once we get to Miami here in a little bit. But Andre Rublev, it, the way that he's playing and the power he plays with, and really some of the sometimes the confidence he plays with, he is really really hard to beat, and he's been on a tear. When it comes to these ATP smaller tournaments, not necessarily Grand Slams, he's been great in those as well. But when it comes to these ATP tournaments around the globe, he has been extremely, extremely hard to beat. Shapo ends up making the semifinals against Harris, and it's Karatsev and Rublev. Now, if you think back to Doha, Karatsev and Rublev ended up winning the doubles together. So both Russian, I'd guess pretty good friends, and Karatsev was a wild card in this tournament. It makes the semis, and he even makes the finals. And he actually, spoiler alert, ends up winning Doha, and this kind of gets me back to the semis here. It shocked me that Karatsev beat Rublev. The way that Rublev's been playing, he was on a big win streak in ATP 500s. He hadn't lost in so long. He comes into this. Karatsev actually dominates the first set 6-4. Rublev comes back, or 6, sorry, 6-2. Rublev comes back in the second set 6-4. So Rublev's back into it and then loses by a break 6-4 in the third set. And the match goes to Karatsev, and Karatsev goes on to the final. So this match was really impressive in the fact of there's another Russian on the scene. No more is it Medvedev and Rublev. Karatsev has entered the tennis scene very strongly in Russia. And it's kind of ironic how all three of these Russians have just emerged on the scene almost at once, and just went on tears. And that seems how like how they've been doing it. Medvedev did it a couple years back. Rublev's really been doing it within the last year or so. And now Karatsev with the Australian Open and moving into Doha and moving into Dubai, he's really done the same thing. Now, Shapo, Denis Shapovalov was the three seed in this tournament. I had a lot of confidence in Shapo. Um, I think he plays a really good game. I think he plays a really good hardcourt game, fast, fast hardcourt game. Um, that transitions really well to grass. But he ends up making the semis here. He's playing a qualifier. I was very confident in Chapo winning this match, to be honest with you. And really, he was in position to win this match. And he, you know, wins the first set in a tiebreaker, loses 6-4 in the second by a break. But then in the third set tiebreaker, he only loses 8-6. So he was right in this match to the very end. But Lloyd Harris prevails. And next thing you know, in Dubai, that was supposed to have Roger Federer, that had Dominic Team, that had Andre Rublev, that had Chapo, Batista Gut. You got two guys in the final who have never been in finals, and it's Lloyd Harris and Aslan Karatsev. Now, a lot of people really didn't know what they were going to get with this final, and it might not boost the TV ratings, but these are two guys that are on fire, and that's a thing when it comes to the ATP Tour and even the WTA Tour as well. When you get, I don't want to say no names, but essentially not household names playing in some of these tournaments in the final, this is still really, really good tennis. Doubles, singles, doesn't matter what it is. This is really good tennis because what they had to do to get there was beat incredible, incredible players. And by this time in the tournament, some people might be, well, they might be tired because they had to beat all these good players. Yeah, they might be tired a little bit, but 
more importantly, they're playing their best tennis if they're beating all those people and making it to a final of an ATP 500. And at that point, it really doesn't matter how they feel because they have a title, an ATP title on the line. But Lloyd Harris didn't seem to you know, stand a chance really against Karatsev because Karatsev ends up winning 6-3, 6-2 in Dubai. But that's a recap of Dubai. Dubai was you know, always an interesting tournament down there. Um, I don't want to say down there, over there. It's really, you know, straight over from where I'm at or the United States in general. But Karatsev, absolute tear. Um, he's very impressive. And I think that's something to, you know, take keep an eye on as we move into these tournaments like Miami, uh, you know, like as we move into Monte Carlo, which is an ATP 1000. Look for him to really, you know, make a jump over the next month or so to try to get even a bigger title. And that's an ATP 1000. Now, there were some names in Acapulco during this tournament that was going on in Dubai. Let me read you a few of them that were in there. I mean, this is just the round of 16. We're talking Sitsipas, Isner, Sebastian Corda, um, Felix Ogier, Ali Asim. You look at this qualifier that's really made a run on the scene. Lorenzo Musetti, um, Francis Tiafo, Dimitrov, Vagnini, Rayonich, Kasper Ruud, Sferev. There's some absolute names in the sport of tennis playing in Mexico the same time Dubai was happening. And this tournament was really interesting. It had a lot of interesting matches. You look at Lorenzo Musetti, who's a qualifier, the young Italian. He's 19, and he's really came onto the scene as of really late. He hasn't, you know, he made a couple big wins that made, you know, mainstream tennis media a little bit. But this Musetti kid is definitely someone to keep your eye on. And he's so young. 94 is his singles ranking right now. And he just turned pro in 2019. So as he gets more under his belt, that'll be interesting. But he ended up beating in a third set tiebreaker, Francis Tiafo, And that was an electric match. And it was very impressive the way that Musetti handled himself towards the end of that match to really come out on top. And Francis Tiafo is no easy feat to beat. Um, as we move forward, I mean, Isner didn't play very well against Tsitsipas, um, FAA. And this in the quarterfinals, the match to really watch was FAA and Stefano Tsitsipas. And it ended up going three sets. And the way Tsitsipas lines this up is, you know, this is kind of not a new rivalry, but something to that it's kind of a rivalry that's really taking form, we should say. These two youngsters, one's from Canada, one's from Greece, they're relative in the same age. I mean, FAA is 20 years old, and Tsitsipas is 22 years old. They're both next-gen type guys. Um, Tsitsipas and FAA both turned pro one year apart. FAA in 2017. You got Tsitsipas in 2016. Just everything kind of lines up for these two. And they play very similar games, and they're both very, very strong on the court, and they're both very, very entertaining to watch as well. Both have large fan bases from their respective countries and around the world. So this is something that's kind of forming itself around each other. And this is this match ended up going three sets. And even Sitsipas has said afterwards that you know this is kind of one of those rivalries. And I don't think you know a rivalry in a bad way, kind of like a Roger Rafa ra rivalry where you know they don't hate each other. It's not a rivalry like. Uh, you look at Kyrgios and any, really anybody in the big three, but mostly Djokovic and Rafa. But this is a good rivalry, and I'm interested to see how this you know plays itself out over the next hopefully 15 year, 10, 15 years or so. Um, Musetti ended up beating Dimitrov in the quarterfinals. He beat him in straight sets. And then what to really watch here was Sverev. He 
cruises pretty much to the semis and cruises to the final. And Musetti doesn't really stand a chance against Sitsipas. And now we have a Stefano Sitsipas, a one seed in this tournament, and Alexander Sverov, a two seed in this tournament, really playing in the finals here in Acapulco. And this is a matchup that anybody's really going to pay to see. These are two next-gen players, and I argue they're not even next-gen anymore. These are players who are very, very experienced in the world of tennis and very, very experienced and turning into very mature players on the tour. And they're hungry for this title. This is a title that um, not only is going to reflect how strong the field was, but it's right before Masters 1000. And they're already on this side of the world, and this is something that is a very popular title. Um, Dubai and Acapulco happening at the same time really raises a lot of eyebrows in the fact of where are the good players going to be. And in my opinion, the good players were in Acapulco. And for them to play in this final is, you know, definitely a sense of pride. And a lot of points as well, especially on the line, both being in the top 10 right now. So the way it turned out, though, is, you know, Sferov ended up beating him in straight sets. So not whole lot of a match, but nevertheless, bottom line, Sphere of moves on, wins Acapulco, and now we head to Miami. I'm jacked up about this Miami tournament, and it starts super soon. It starts this week, and it's going to be really interesting to watch. Now, before I get into the actual tournament part, I want to maybe get into some logistics of the tournament. Um consecutive Masters 1000 events involving at least one of the big three members. It went from Indian Wells in 2005 to Paris in 2020. 138 consecutive Masters 1000s had Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, and Novak Djokovic. And this year, Miami Masters 1000 does not have any of them. They've all withdrawn for different reasons. Um, they've all had their own reasons to withdraw. They've all put out statements. But who really knows the actual reasons that these players didn't come here? I'm guessing Roger's trying to get back. I'm guessing that Nadal is trying to recover and get onto clay. And that back injury that Novak had at the Australian Open that he's still kind of nursing, he's probably trying to get back from that. So they probably thought it wasn't really worth it to fly halfway across the world if they're not necessarily... 100%. But Miami's still going to be stacked. And I think this is a tournament that is going to be very interesting to watch. Now, I want to go through a few things here. There's going to be a lot of players in it. You're talking about Sferov. You're talking about Medvedev. You're talking about FAA. You're talking about uh, Rublev. You're talking about Sitsipas. Now, there's going to be a lot of interesting players in this tournament. And I think a lot of good players to really watch. Now, I want to talk about a few players in particular. Now, Stefano Tsitsipas, in an interview that he did, um, you know, before the tournament, obviously, because, I mean, we're even still before the tournament now, but he talked a lot about, you know, he's getting so close to these titles, and he was just so close in Acapulco, and now he's getting really close to this, you know, Masters 1000 title. He said, I'd be thrilled to walk away with the Masters 1000 title. It's an opportunity hasn't presented itself yet. Um, but... I feel like I'm getting really close. I really want it a lot, and a desire is there. It always has been. I'm looking to get better. Now, this is, you know, a guy of confidence and showing a lot of his confidence moving forward. Now, let's transition over to somebody who is, you know, can be playing with a lot of confidence, but might not be 
might be questioning himself. That's the way I'm going to put it. Might be questioning himself. And now, if you look at Andre Rublev, he talks about his struggles with injuries in this in an interview that he did with ATPTour.com, and he says, you know, I want to I want to be better and better. It's not about what I'm doing now or what I did. It's about that I want to keep doing this for a long for the long term. I want to keep bet getting better and better. And then he said, I'm just, this is what really got me. He goes, I'm afraid that I'm just maybe lucky, that maybe I'm not good enough. So that's why I want to keep working to be able to see if I can keep playing the same way on the same level for a while. Now, the way Rublev plays, he plays really intense and he hits the living crap out of the ball. Um, So this is worrisome a little bit, but Andre Rublev, I don't believe you're just getting lucky. I just believe... You just maybe need to turn it up one notch, maybe. Just one notch. You know, when he comes in and he plays the Medvedevs, he's so close to making big runs at massive tournaments like Grand Slams. He's so close to winning big tournaments. He's so close to, you know, finishing things really well. I mean, before he lost at Dubai, he was on a 22-match win streak in the ATP 500 events. He's set, That's only second to Roger Federer at 28. So... Andre Rublev, I think the sky is the limit for you, really, man. And you're so close to a lot of things. And I don't think there is a terrible amount to be worried about in your eyes. You are so close to so many things. And I think you will be there. It just will take a little bit of time. Now, I don't think we should jump to conclusions with him because Andre Rublev is still young. He's 23 years old. He turned pro in 2014. Yeah, you know, he turned pro at a young age, and he's been pro for a while, but he's still very young. Now, Andrei Rublev, Karatsev, Medvedev, all Russians. I'm very intrigued in Russian tennis right now, and I'm very invested in it because these three have emerged onto the scene. They're electric, and they're very, very fun to watch. Now, back to Miami. Now, when we're looking at the draw and we're looking at really, you know, who I think has a chance in it, you look at some of the names first off. You have Mevrev, Felix Ogier, Aliasim, Batista Gut, who seems to be playing really good tennis right here. Uh, another thing, Andy Murray has also dropped out of the Australian Open. Um, Struff, Tiafo, uh, Harris. You look at guys like Zverev, Dimitrov, Gafin, Hachinov, Sinner, um, you know, Fritz, Tommy Paul. Nishikori, Nishioka, now Shapo, De Manure, Rayonic, Sitsipas, um, Fanini, Rublev, Schwartzman, and out of all these large names, my pick to win this is going to be the newly world number two, Daniil Medvedev. I don't know why, I just think he is going to excel in Miami. I'm sure I'll be shocked at some point in this tournament by someone else who does really, really, really well, and I don't see it coming, but... Medvedev has got to be my pick to win this tournament, and I just believe that he's playing too good of tennis right now, and he's going to pretty much overcome whatever he has in Miami. I got a lot of faith in that guy, and I think a lot, a lot of people in the world do. Now, my underdog in this tournament, I think Chapo is playing really good tennis, and he's not necessarily a super underdog, but out of the names that I've named, Rublev, Tsitsipas, Sverev, Schwartzman, um, some of those big names, Karatsev's in this tournament. Um, I think that 
he is someone who to keep an eye on. Uh, Denis Shapovalov. Musetti's also in this tournament. Uh, Bino Pierre's in this tournament. Uh, Michael Moe's in this tournament. There's so many names in this tournament. So many good names in this tournament. Especially a lot of names I named on or I said earlier in this podcast. They're going to be ones to keep an eye on as Miami happens. Watch Miami. It's going to be a really, really good tournament, I think. And the way that they put it on down there uh, in Florida is also really, really interesting. And I'm interested to see how this tournament goes. There's a little turmoil outside of tennis in Miami right now when in regards to spring breakers and vacationers. And so this all happening in the middle of all of that is going to be very interested. Hopefully everybody stays safe, stays in their bubble, so to speak. And I'm so excited for a day that I can get down to that tournament. I'm really, really excited. Indian Wells was canceled this year or postponed, should I say. I really, really loved going to Indian Wells. I really am looking forward to going to another tournament. So that is all I have for you today, folks. Uh, Watch Miami. We're going to have a first week recap next week. I'm really excited about this tournament, ATP Masters 1000. If you want to reach out to Believe for sponsorship, at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast, both on Instagram and Twitter. Reach out to me, at Jacob Sersosimo, both on Instagram and Twitter as well. Stay safe out there. I got my first shot of the vaccine. I didn't even tell you that. I forgot about that. I got the first shot of the vaccine. So I don't know why I'm telling you that, but I'm telling you that. <laughs> but um, I'm re- I was really excited about it. I'm really, really excited about it. Get the second dose here in a few weeks. But I am jacked about it, and I hope you stay safe as this pandemic keeps on going. I hope you watch a lot of tennis this week, and hope to take care of yourself and your family. Everybody, peace out. Watch some tennis. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.